0: This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Grab a Bible and find your way to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. As you're turning to Romans chapter 8, let me tell you just a quick little story. My senior year in high school, I had a real bad case of uh, what they call senior-itis. Anybody this morning have a bad case of senior-itis? I see you, all right. Anybody have a bad case of junior-itis, sophomore-itis, school-itis? Just school itis, okay, all right. And it was closing up my senior year, and one of my buddies and I decided we would pull a little bit of a prank. And so they were having the vote for the next year's like class president and vice president and and all that stuff. And so we thought we bet we could win that election if we just like put signs out and encourage our friends to write us in. And um, so we started putting signs up, Wyatt and Waymire all over the school. President, vice president. Our principal, he had a war injury and he couldn't smile. Like literally, his face was paralyzed in such a way that he couldn't smile. So we're putting signs up, Wyatt and Waymire, president, vice president. And it's just a prank and it's just a joke and we get called to the principal's office. (laughs) And uh, so he calls us in and he says, "Uh, gentlemen, we've tallied all the votes and you guys won. So we're looking forward to you guys coming back next year and fulfilling your responsibilities. I'm scared because he's not smiling. My buddy's a little braver than I am. And he says, oh, so what do you gentlemen think about that? And my buddy just kind of laughs and says, ah, I think I'm going to have to resign, you know. So then he looks at me and he's like, and what about you? I said, I'm with him. So he got us good after we got them good. And uh, you know, here we are called in the principal's office. We, we get up, we walk out. I turn around and he's literally he's just bouncing up and down. But he can't smile and he can't laugh, you know, but his whole body like he got us good and he's just bouncing, you know, because he's like, yeah, I'll show you who's boss. I, I, I think it was the first time I got called to the, like, the main principal's office. Like, I think it was the first time. And I was, I was pretty nervous. I, like, I knew we had done something wrong. I assumed that there was going to be a punishment for it. But when he said, you guys are free... The weight on my shoulders just came off, and I got out of my seat, and I walked out, and I thought, oh, wow, I'm free, I'm free. Well, this morning, in Romans chapter 8, in the first four verses, we see how God has set us free from a punishment that we deserved. Hopefully, you found your way to Romans chapter 8. I'm titling the sermon this morning, No Tippy Toes Required, and I think that'll become obvious why in just a minute. Tim Keller describes the book of Romans as the most sustained explanation of the heart of the gospel and the most thrilling exploration of how that gospel goes to work in our hearts. John Stott describes Romans 8 as Romans 8 is without a doubt one of the best known and best loved chapters in all the Bible. So rather than going through the whole book of Romans... We're just going to camp out in the 8th chapter of Romans, this great, pillar, epic, hallmark chapter of Scripture, Romans chapter 8. We're going to read in verses 1 through 4, so look at it with me, verses 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there is therefore now no condemnation. that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray now that you would speak to us by your Spirit. Speak powerfully and personally. Lord, let us be changed by your sacred Scriptures, by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, The first thing that we see is, in verse 1, is what? It's, it's what. It's, it's what Paul is saying. And he's saying that there's no condemnation. Look at this with me again in verse 1. There is therefore now. Let me just pause there. The first four words, Paul says, there is therefore now. The old preachers used to say, if you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to see what it's therefore. So what is it there for? Uh, Paul uses these opening four words to make this conclusive statement. It's like he's doubling down to say what I'm writing is true and conclusive. Like mic drop, like full stop. There is therefore now. What do you mean what do you mean now? Well, Paul is connecting the opening of chapter 8 to the rest of everything that he's written in chapter 1 all the way through ch- chapter 7. In, in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul wrote about the wrath of God coming against all ungodliness. In chapter 2, he explains that because of because of how he had made, made specific things known about his character, every person on planet Earth is without excuse and ought to worship God. But in the wickedness of our hearts, we suppress what God has made clear to us. And in Romans 3, he spells out with crystal clarity that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then he begins to introduce the great gospel truth that even though we're sinners, we're loved by God. In Romans 5, the Apostle Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then in Romans 6 through 7, he begins to talk about the fact that even though that we're sinners, forgiven, now we battle sin. Now we seek to put sin to death, but, but we often fall into sin. And then in Romans 8, he comes to this huge conclusive uh, pivot in his letter. And he says, there is, therefore, now. What do you mean now? Well, he spent seven chapters laying out the tightest argument, the deepest theology to say, we're far more sinful than we ever imagined and we're far more loved than we ever dreamed it was possible. And he he builds this tight argument so that now in verse 1 of chapter 8, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation. Well, what is condemnation? Condemnation is a pronouncement of guilt and an application of its punishment. Condemnation is a pronouncement of guilt and an application of its punishment. And what Paul is saying in verse 1 is that because of Jesus, there's no condemnation. No, con- no pronouncement of guilt. how many days do you walk around feeling guilty there is therefore now no pronouncement of guilt that's what Paul's saying and not just a pronouncement of guilt there will not be a taste of God's punishment no condemnation well how is this possible How is it possible that a holy God would look upon sinful, broken, rebellious lawbreakers like you and me and say, no condemnation? How could the judge of the universe remain just by forgiving sinners? Have you ever stayed up late at night having trouble sleeping, wrestling with that question? How can God be just and holy and forgive us? How is this possible? Because you're so aware of God's holiness and so aware of your own sinfulness, how? That that brings us to the next word. How how is this possible? How is this possible? What's possible, because he set us free. Verse 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In verse 2 begins to explain how that's possible. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So he set us free free well how did he set us free well it's what God did God did what the law weakened by the flesh couldn't do look at verse 2 and 3 with me again for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, in for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Paul says God did what the law weakened by the flesh couldn't do. In other words, the law could not justify us before God. We could not measure up to God's standard. He set us free by doing what the law couldn't do. And indeed, the law only exposed the fact of how, how short we have fallen to God's standard. So the law didn't, like, help us. The law exposed how sinful we were. To be clear, God's law is good, and it's perfect, and it's holy. Indeed, the Ten Commandments ought to be called the Ten Privileges because it's God's loving boundaries that lead to a life of flourishing. Don't miss that god's law is his loving boundaries that he gave us but the fact that it's written in black and white exposes for us how much we've all fallen short so we've fallen so short how could god say no condemnation we'll look at verse 2 again for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from this condemnation you've been set free from this pronouncement of guilt and you've been set free from the punishment What that means is, is is a Christian never has to fear being punished by God. Some may say, well, doesn't the book of Hebrews talk about God disciplining us? Yes, it's not his punishment. It's his loving training. It's not his punishment for sin. It's his loving care and guidance. God isn't taking his anger out on us. God is protecting us with his love. He gets down real near us, and he shapes our circumstances in such a way where we get back on the right track. It's his loving discipline. It's not his wrathful punishment. So how? He set us free. How? God did what the law weakened by the flesh couldn't do. So you take the law and you take our flesh, it leads to condemnation every time. So how did he do it? Look at the rest of verse three. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So Jesus came as a human being in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. That's why he came. Jesus came to live this life, to die in our place for our sin he condemned sin in the flesh so how can god say there's no condemnation for you and me it's because jesus condemned sin on the cross rather than condemning us jesus took our sin on the cross he became a curse on the cross jesus was humiliated jesus took the wrath of god jesus took listen every drop of God's punishment for sin for his bride so that we could be set free so that we could hear the banner over our life there's no condemnation you're not pronounced guilty you'll never pay for your guilt Jesus was pronounced guilty for your sin on the cross and Jesus paid for your sin on the cross how could God look at you and me and say not guilty it's because he looked at Jesus and he said guilty for their sin he's guilty for their sin that's what he's saying he came God did what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh he became a a man and he came to this earth for sin and he condemned sin in the flesh on the cross in his body he condemned sin hallelujah so we could be set free So that every day you wake up, you can look in the mirror and you can write over you in the mirror, no condemnation, no condemnation, not today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but what if I, no, Jesus paid it all. (laughs) Did you miss that? Look at verse one. Look at verse one again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in who? Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in who? In Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son. Who's that? Christ Jesus. So, why did God do that? No condemnation, that's the what. How? By sending Jesus. Why? Why did he do that? Well, there's a hundred reasons why. That's why the Bible's a big book, <laughs> so we can understand the myriad of reasons in God's heart for redemption but in our text Paul gives a very specific answer in verse four look at it with me he says in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us in in other words God did this so that we could meet God's requirements God did this for us so that you and I could meet God's requirements I've asked this before, but it it, it doesn't get into our hearts deep enough. But what do you think God requires of you and me? A holy God, a righteous God, the eternal God, the God that made us, the God that answers to no one, the God that has no rivals, the God that gave his loving law, the God that chose Israel, the God that sent the gospel to the nations, to his disciples. What does he require of us? He requires perfect adherence to his law. That's what God requires of you and me. Did you know that? In too many churches in North America and around the world, we preach a very cheap gospel where people don't hear what God actually requires of them. And God requires from you and me perfect adherence to His law. So why did His Son take on flesh and condemn sin in the flesh? so that the righteous requirements of his law might be fulfilled in us. Because there was no chance of us fulfilling the righteous requirements of God Almighty on our own. Perhaps this like real-life example of what you're about to see in this video will like help us understand this. Look look, look at this. Here he is, wanting to go on the ride. He doesn't measure up. You're not tall enough. How tall are you supposed to be? You ever feel this way with God? You ought to. You just don't measure up. You don't meet the standard. You don't don't fulfill the requirements. Look at this guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm about to get on the ride. No, I'm not. Not yet. Not yet. I just, do do you see that? you see that? We'll just hold off on that one for a second. Hold off on that one for a second. I mean, it's kind of silly, right? Like, I think we've all been there, our kids all been there, not measuring up, can't, can't get on the ride. Listen, that's the reality of every single one of us. When we put our life next to God's standard, we do not meet the requirements. What should that do to us? It should level us in brokenness. It should humble us to the core it should leave us with only one hope and his name is jesus god required perfect adherence to his law and we all even on our best day on our tippy toes we don't measure up so what are you going to do about that well look at what this uh (laughs) Look at what this one family did. I found this on Facebook. This Christmas, our family is going to Disney World. My oldest son is 39 inches tall. All of the good rides require you to be 40 inches tall with a little ingenuity, flip-flops, glue, scissors, and a pair of Batman shoes. Don't, Don't miss this phrase. Daddy fixed the problem. Who fixed the problem? Dad did. He's now almost 41 inches tall. Disney World, here we come. There's a problem. The kid didn't measure up. Who fixed the problem? Dad did. Dad did. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. From the law of sin and death. For God, our dad, our father, for, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous Requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Jesus took it. He was pronounced guilty. So you and I could be pronounced holy and righteous, forgiven and free. So what's our response to measuring up? (laughs) Because now we're measured up. It's like dad got to work, and he put some things on our shoes. <laughs> and he raised our height a little bit. And we now meet the requirements. Well, here's a here's a little video of somebody meeting the requirements for the first time. Put your feet flat. Put your feet flat. Put your feet You're getting the bow. I mean, that's how I feel about it. No condemnation. The devil is an accuser, so the devil accuses us and says, look at what you've done, and you're guilty, and you're worthless, and you're the, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Every morning the devil wakes up, and he sends his demons, and they want to accuse you and lie to you. That's why it's so important that you open up the sacred scriptures day after day after day so that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The promises of God are true. There is therefore now. No condemnation. Christ has died. He has risen. He's at the right hand of God. So now he can say, now, now, now there's no condemnation. Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. So now there's no condemnation. Not you on your best day trying to obey God and get up on your spiritual tippy toes. Not then. Not then. But when Christ came out of the grave, and when he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and when he intercedes for you and me, and he tells the Father, this one's with me, now there's no condemnation for, for those who, that's the, next, that's the next question, who is this for? Look, look at verse 1 again. There's therefore now no condemnation, no pronouncement of guilt, and no application of the punishment, ever. Not a little bit, not a medium, not, not a drop, who is that for? for those who are in Christ Jesus. How do you get in Christ Jesus? You turn from your sin and you trust him. How do you get in Christ Jesus? You turn from your life of rebellion and you follow him as your Lord. How do you you become born again? The spirit of God convicts you of your sin and you turn to Jesus as the only one who can forgive you of your sin. That's how you get in Christ Jesus. You realize you're a great sinner, you realize he's a greater savior. And you you run to him, you feast upon him, you depend upon him, you trust in him, you throw your life in his hands, you bow down before him, and you say, Lord Jesus, you are my only hope. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not for those who impress God and who obey really well and who get their act together. No, it's for those that realize I'm hopeless apart from him, I'm going to throw myself at his mercy and he will never turn you away. If you turn to Jesus, the Lord Jesus will never turn you away. So, so, so who is this for? For those who are in Christ Jesus and walk, and for those, verse 4, look at verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who's us? Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So, so how do you know? How do you know if you have trusted in Jesus? Well, the Spirit of God comes into your life. Listen, the Spirit of God comes into your life and He begins to change you from the inside out. And the direction of your life changes. The direction. So many people think it's perfection. It's not perfection, it's the direction of your life. There is a visible, observable change toward love and obedience and holiness in your life. Well, how much, Pastor? How much? Was it observable? Can you see it? Is it mistakable or is it there? Is there evidence that the Spirit of God lives in you by living your life according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh, the sinful flesh, the vices of the flesh? Is your life, listen friends, is your life chiefly characterized by the sins of the flesh or is there a direction of the Spirit of God in your life? this is what this in part in part is what gives us assurance it bolsters our confidence when we see evidence of the spirit of god in our life and somebody like pastor i gotta get a microscope out <laughs> but i see a little bit of evidence glory to god you keep walking with him and you'll see a little more you keep walking with him and you'll see a little more you keep walking with him and you see a little more the bible says he who has been forgiven of much loves much so how does this work in the christian's life Will you spend time in God's presence every day confessing your sins? And as you, as you confess your sins to the Lord, you experience his loving forgiveness. And as you experience his loving forgiveness, your heart is renewed with love for him. There, there are some people in the world that need to like tattoo no condemnation on their forehead. Because they have such a sensitive spirit that even though they know the promises of God and and even though their life is shaped by godly living and even though there are observable fruit of the spirit in their life, their heart still feels like they don't belong to him. Would you believe there's some days I get up here and preach to you Feeling like, is, is there grace enough for me? Is there grace enough for me? God is not surprised by that. Indeed, God anticipated that. And so in 1 John, John writes it this way: 1 John chapter 3, 19 through 21. He says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Just stop there. What, he, what he's talking about is what we just talked about. That it's it's through a life of love that gives us the reassurance that we've been born again. It's by genuine love. So that we're picking it up in, in the middle of the chapter here where he's already talked about, it's through us living our life in a loving way that gives us the assurance that we've been born again. But then he says, for wherever our heart condemns us. In other words, maybe you're loving and you ought to have this confidence, but you just have a sensitive spirit and your heart condemns you. God's not condemning you because he knows all. He sees all. God's not condemning you because you've trusted in Christ, but you're condemning you. You're beating yourself up. He says, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. This is, some, some of you this morning, you feel like you're spiritually drowning because you feel like you've trusted Christ, and as honestly as you know, you've prayed to him, and you've sought him, and You've thrown your life at His mercy, and yet there's your heart just, you just wake up feeling like your heart condemns you day after day after day after day. The good news is God is greater than your heart. God's greater than your heart. Your heart and what you feel doesn't have the final say, God does. (laughs) So even if you're walking around feeling like half the time, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I've turned to Jesus with all my might and I don't have any other hope. But I don't even know if I'm a Christian. God's greater than your heart. (laughs) Oh, what a gracious God. Aren't you glad that's in the Bible? God is greater than your heart and he sees all. If you've trusted him, he sees. If you've trusted him, he knows. And it it doesn't matter how good you feel it. (laughs) It doesn't matter how good you feel today. He knows. If if you can say, as honestly as I know my hope is only in Jesus, nobody else can save me, I can't save myself, he knows. And he's greater than your heart. Hallelujah. Do you remember this scene in Jesus' life where Jesus was teaching? And all these religious leaders bring this woman who had been caught in adultery to Jesus. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they bring this, this woman who's been caught in adultery. Jesus is teaching. There's a big crowd. It's kind of a moment, right? It's like, you know, be quiet, right? Like the rabbi is teaching. And here they interrupt it and they bring this woman. She's been caught in adultery. In the Old Testament, Jesus says that the law says we ought to stone this woman. So what does Jesus do? He starts writing in the dust. He starts writing in the dust. Starts writing in the dust. They say, well, I'll stone this woman. He writes in the dust some more. I don't know what he was writing. I don't know what he was doing. He says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, they dropped their stones, and they began to walk off. And then Jesus stood up, and he looked at this woman, and he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Those who, according to the law, should be stoned, stoned to death, are set free by Jesus. So what should we do? So what should we do? The first thing, church, that we need to do is just rest. Let your anxious soul find rest in that truth. There's no condemnation. Rest. Rest. Just quit trying to do it so good in rest that it was done perfectly for you by the Son of God, the King of kings, who came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. You don't measure up and you don't have to get on your tippy toes because <laughs> dad fixed the problem. So just rest in what Jesus has done for you. So if you don't get up and read your Bible tomorrow, just rest. If you blow it this afternoon in the car on the way home from church, turn to Jesus, look at what he's done for you, and rest in what he's done for you. And listen. If you rest moment by moment, day after day, in the finished work of Jesus, your heart will grow in love and loyalty to Him. And you'll obey Him more faithfully tomorrow than you did today if you rest in His finished work today. And rest in His. It, it's just the natural process that will come as you experience His love day after day after day. Some of you are living such a spiritually frustrated life because out of the pride and arrogance of your own self-righteousness you're determined to do it and you can't you measure up and you don't measure up (laughs) but he did for you he did for you so just let your soul go i can't but he did i'll never but he did so I'll rest in that. The next, the next step is reflect. What do I mean reflect? Well, if God's heart toward us is a heart of not condemning us, why do we look toward others with such a heart of condemnation? Just reflect on that. If God looks at you and, and, and God God took on great pain unto himself by sending his own Son. So so God went through the most painful thing possible to be able to extend the declaration over our life of no condemnation. Couldn't you do that for others? Some of you, listen, some of you today and this week, you need to get to the bottom of why you have such a condemning spirit toward others. It may be because you're not yet a Christian, that the Spirit of God is not in you because you've not turned to Jesus in faith. It may be that you're going through religious motions and you've been wearing the label of Christian for a long time, but you've never been born again by the Spirit of God. And the fruit of it is you're always angry, you're always negative, and you're always self-condemning. You're always condemning of others. The good news is you can turn to Jesus today. He'll take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh begin to change you from the inside out and you can begin to be patient with people rather than condemning. it may be it may be that you're a Christian but you've got this messed up picture of God and your soul has not rested in the finished work of Jesus the way it can. It, it may be that you don't hear that loud declaration of over your life, no condemnation and it may be that though you're truly born again and though you're a real christian it may be that that your experience is one that you're always condemned listen if that's your experience with god of course that's what's going to come out on other people is a spirit of condemnation so so get to the bottom of why if this is you why you're so condemning to others and just ask god create in me a clean heart oh god and renew a steadfast spirit in me rest rest lastly rejoice and repent you know that little girl that finally measured up <laughs> you know she finally measured up do you see what she did she like couldn't stand it like ah <laughs> right One of these days I'm going to preach a a sermon series on worship. And kind of the underlying message in that series is going to be that our Sunday gathering worship has been more shaped by tradition and fear of man than the mercy of God. (laughs) Because I just kind of think, when there's that declaration over our life, there is therefore, now, no condemnation. Ah! <laughs> right? It's like, come on. You're not going to get better news anywhere, any day than that. But Sunday after Sunday, we roll in this place. And we just look so unaffected by that. We just look so unmoved by the mercy of God. And I just believe it would please the Father if we would be set free from the shackles of tradition and the fear of man, and that we might respond in the most natural way to his mercy in this place. That's my prayer, God, set us free in this place so that our worship honors the work you've done, that it actually looks like we've been set free. Because half the time in here, half the time in here, it looks like there is therefore now still a good bit of condemnation for you. And look, like what you're doing exterior is not necessarily an indicator of what's going on inside your heart. The Bible says that that man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. So don't hear me saying, like, I'm casting judgment on you because of how you choose to worship. But did you see that little girl? She measured up. She got to get on the ride. Oh, what a ride it is walking with Jesus. So let's rejoice. Come on, church. Let's rejoice. And lastly, and and repent. So did you hear what jesus said to the woman he said i he said who condemned you she said no one lord he says neither do i but then but then he said go and sin no more so the declaration over our life i don't condemn you ought to change you the declaration over our life i don't condemn you ought to lead you to a path of walking with god and living for god church do you see it come on let's stand to our feet Let's sing this out. Let's rejoice in this place. We've got so much to sing about this morning. Five years as a church, but an eternity with God, right? Five years as a church, but forever with King Jesus. You don't have to get on your spiritual tippy toes. Dad, fix the problem. Come on. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real, keep it Jesus.